Okay, friends, I'm going to invite you to return to your seats. I'd like to remind you of three different scriptures as we come to take communion this morning. First, um, I was reading in Zechariah this morning. Actually, no, we'll go to John first. John, the passage that we're going to be in, Jesus says twice, and then he'll say even further on beyond our passage, those who love me, do what I say. There's a, there's a correlation between obedience and love. And maybe for you this morning, there's a, something that you need to say, Lord, I need to, I need to show you love by obeying in this particular thing. There's a passage in Zechariah. Right at the beginning of the book of Zechariah, um, God, through the prophet, says to his people, return to me, and I will return to you. Maybe you're someone who's been running, and there's a promise that if you've been running or avoiding You can return to the Lord and he will return to you. James says, draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. In fact, Zechariah will say, God will say through Zechariah, don't be like the people who went before you and had to learn the hard way. They did repent, the Lord says, but they got punished for it. And it was in the punishment in that time of punishment and reaping the consequences that they, that they then repented and returned to me. And God says to his people at that point, you have the opportunity to learn from others' mistakes. Return to me. Don't be like those people. Don't have to learn the hard way. Come back. Come back now. Return to me and I will return to you. But then let me also remind you of the story of the prodigal son who says, I'm going to do it my own way. And he hits the very bottom. And at the very lowest point, the scripture says he comes to his senses and remembers how good his father is or how good he thinks his father is. And he says, I'll go back and I'll say, I'm sorry. And his father, while his prodigal son is returning home while he's still far off, runs and embraces him. And the prodigal discovers that his father is even better than he told himself that he was. That's what this is about, friends. God invites you to himself once again. He has already made it possible. And he has already sent out the invitations again and again and again return to the Lord, come back to this good father. So would you stand up, please? Would you come and receive the elements? And as you then take them, go back to your seats and ask the Lord to speak to you from those scriptures, right? And then I I will lead us in taking them together. So don't take the elements, just receive them, go back to your seats and spend some time with the Lord Which one of those scriptures did I most need to hear this morning, Lord? Remind me of them. Would you come forward and receive his grace? We're going to take another minute. So let me just remind you of those scriptures. Those who love me will obey my commands, Jesus says. Return to me and I will 
return to you. The Lord says to his people. And the prodigal, eating the stuff with the pigs, as a moment of coming to his senses, discovers his father is going to be better to him than he can possibly imagine. Lord, thank you that your scriptures and your cross say the same thing. Thank you that your scriptures and your cross show us who you are. That you love your people this much. That you take our sin upon yourself to make sure that there is nothing that will be in the way of the embrace between father and son. Between the child who ran and the child who returns home to the parent and the parent says, I love you. Thank you, Lord. Make us people who receive your grace and do not receive it in vain. Make us people who will say yes and respond with lives of obedience out of love for you because we hear your invitation, we see your goodness, and we believe your cross, that this is who you are, that you invite and you make it possible and you give yourself to your people. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, take the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, remembering what he did for you. Lord, as we open our scriptures, would you now open us to your scriptures? We recognize that understanding comes from you, and the ability to understand and apply it is something we need to partner with you. And so, Lord, would you make us people who invite you? Would you make us people who interact with you? Would you make us people who respond well to you? Would you make us people to say yes, even before we fully understand it? Would we not make understanding the precondition of our obedience? Lord, would you make us people who show you love? by trusting you and taking you at your word and saying, we will walk in that and then let understanding join us along the way. Lord, would you make us people who will, who will offer you our worship, will offer you our praise because it's your word and that's enough. 
Lord, would you make us people who respond well to the gift of your spirit and the gift of your word, and may we never choose one over the other. Lord, would you have your way in our hearts? I pray that the fruit that Jesus envisioned as he spoke these words would would be born in us, that the the seeds would go down deep, that the the roots would go down, that that there would be a, a beautiful plant and beautiful fruit coming as a result of your words and your spirit interacting with us where we say yes. Make us people who say yes. Would you guide us in this time, Lord? I just, I admit once again what Jesus will say in the next chapter. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Yet we will be people who believe the implication of what he is saying that we, there will be fruit that comes as we remain in you as your words remain in us, as they are given their rightful place, as we come into greater fellowship and communion with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Make us people who bear fruit well. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you grab your Bibles and go to John 14? Um, reminder, we are... We're, we're working our way through the next section of John. I'm not picking my favorite passages. We're just going through. Uh, and so this happens to be the next passage that we are at. We're going to John 14. We're going to start at verse 16. This is the first of essentially a, two parts of a conversation on similar topics and themes. And we're only going to take the first part this morning. And I'm going to have you actually interact with one another for a little bit, which is why I, I hope you all landed in a row with someone else. I'm going to read our passage, and I'm going to ask you a question. Jesus is speaking. Sorry, verse 15, not verse 16. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm coming to you. After a little while, the world will no longer, is, will no longer, um, the world no longer is going to see me. But you are going to see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him or her and reveal myself to him or her. This is the word of the Lord. Yes. That's not religion speaking when we do that. Right? We give thanks 
because this is food. Let's dig into some food this morning. I want you to dig into some food together. You are going to have different translations in front of you. I was reading from one that said, I'm going to give you the helper. This is a very difficult word to translate well, which is why you're going to have different translations that are going to say, one's going to say helper, one's going to say advocate, one's going to say comforter. And the problem with every translation is they get part of it right and part of it gets left out. Because when you say helper, that sounds like someone who's just sort of an assistant. But that's not really what's envisioned there. He's not sort of a lack, the spirit is not sort of a lackey or just someone who's uh, assisting you in your work. That he is there to help, though. So it gets part of it right and part of it wrong by implication. Advocate has like a legal connotation to it. But he's more, he's there for more than just sort of your legal help, whether with the father or something else, right? Uh, comforter. Sounds like, well, he's just there for times where you need comfort. Well, he's actually there for more than just comfort. So translations always get something right and something wrong, and you just sort of have to compare and then take the best of what you can, particularly with this translation. I use the word helper. It does have some positives to it. It does have some negatives to it. We're we're not going to get hung up on this because all of those are true. They're just not exclusive to the word. Does that make sense? Okay. That's why you're going to see differences in translation there. Now, what I want you to do is talk with your neighbors and find a few different reasons from this passage why it is that the Father and the Son send the Spirit. And I'm not looking for the answer where Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will send you the Spirit. That's not what I'm talking about. After Jesus, what is the reason why Jesus asks the Father to send the Spirit? And there are a number of different implications in this passage. I want you to, to find them, okay? And then we'll just throw them out afterwards. We'll dialogue in a few minutes, okay? Talk to your neighbors. Enjoy. We'll regroup momentarily. Okay, let's regroup. What are some reasons we discovered for why the Father and the Son send the Spirit? Call them out. Not everyone at once. Companionship. So where did you see that? Perfect. Okay. It's great. So what Renee, Renee pointed to the end of verse 17, where Jesus says he's... It, their answer was companionship, and it was companionship based on looking at the end of verse 17 where it says both that he will be with you and in you, right? So there's both among, but even closer. So they're implying intimacy, oneness and intimacy, yes, which Jesus will then pick up later on in the passage and say, you're going to discover on that day that the Father's in me and I am in you and and so on, right? There's that, that interconnectivity. Great. Thanks. What else? Interesting insight. Thank you, Kevin. He said the, the need that they noticed was an inability to keep Jesus' commands on their own. They're going to need a helper for that. Very good. Thank you. What else? 
Christina said guidance counselor is one of the ways that this word might get translated at times, and we will speak of the Spirit as a counselor, right? In fact, later on in next week's passage, just after this one, Jesus will say that he is the Spirit of truth who will guide you into all truth. So there's a a guidance portion to, um, a, a guidance aspect of who the Spirit is, what he does. Yeah. Thank you. The Spirit reveals God to us, yeah? Okay, so where did you see that in the text? Yes. Very good. Right, so Heather pointed out that verse 21 where Jesus says, uh, I, I will actually reveal myself more. And Heather's saying that that is very likely through the Spirit. Yeah, thank you. Very good. Anyone else have something they want to share? Spirit of truth. It's called the spirit of truth. What does that imply? What's the need? If we need a spirit of truth, what's the need? Sorry? That we are so prone to, de- prone to deception, Right? Yes, thank you, Lord, that you saw that and provided for our need in advance. Interestingly, evangelicals will sometimes make this the only source of truth, but this doesn't make that claim. He is the spirit of truth who will not contradict this, but this is doing what is saying what Sarah just said, that we are going to need a spirit to help point out where there is deception, where there's an absence of truth, where there's gray, and we thought that we mistook that for white. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Well done. Good job. Um, there's a lot more uh, wisdom and experience and um, collective understanding than what one person, including the one speaking, can bring to this text. Okay? I do not have the final answer. I do not have all the answers. I do not have the only answers. And, and you just demonstrated that we all, um, with the help of the spirit of truth, will be guided into truth together. So when, when you come to scripture and you're like, man, I'm just stumbling over this particular verse. I don't understand that. Sure, I guess you can Google. I Google all the time mostly for verse references, but um, we, we were put into a body for a reason, okay? And, and what you just saw here was the value of the body and the spirit at work within the body. That wasn't part of my notes, but that was a little bonus there for me. Okay, I want to look at one particular problem that um, the text points out, and, and some of you alluded to this. I want to 
I want to touch on it a little bit more. I, I do think it is one of the, the central reasons um, for Jesus saying what he's saying. Um, sometimes we hear the word helper and we think assistant. We think of the problems I currently face in my life at any given time. And we're like, well, the spirit must be there to fix what's going on here. And I have to come back to the scripture and go, but what were the problems he was actually identifying? What's the reason for sending the helper? What's the help being provided? Would you look with me at verse 18, please? I'm not even going to say it. What's the implication of the first half of verse 18? Why is the helper being sent? I want you to see it for yourself. Sorry? He's not abandoning us. So what's the problem? The problem is absence. It was alluded to by some of you. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus says. The helper is not about fixing your problems. That does sometimes happen. But what Jesus has in view is a much bigger problem, and it's a problem that we often overlook. And it's that there is an absence of God. And God didn't want that. I will not leave you as orphans. See, the problem is that there's orphans. And he looked to his people and he said, these are are people who are in need and I will provide for that need. And my provision will be myself. My provision will be presence. The problem is presence or absence. Are you aware of the helper? If the problem is presence or absence, are you aware of the helper? Not do you know there is a helper. Are you aware of his being with you? that that is the help being provided? Do you have a growing awareness of the Lord providing for the very most basic need you have? I 
I've had to share this a number of times with, with people recently and then started practicing it myself. Came to me, I don't know, a month or more ago as I was on the phone with someone who was just, life did not seem to make any more sense. There were no solutions to be seen. There was no path forward at all in life. And we're on the phone, and it's like, what do I do? And Psalm 23 came to mind. Specifically, verse, I believe it's verse 4. Though I walk through the darkest valley, though I walk through the darkest valley, What's the implication there? The person in the darkest possible valley cannot see where to step next. The path forward in life is not clear. And the comfort that the psalmist provides, the comfort that the psalmist experiences is not in being able to see the next step. And I I was deeply convicted by the Lord recently as I reflected on my own life on how much security I put in the next step, being able to see the next step forward. I find comfort in that because I know what will happen next. I can manage those kinds of things. It makes sense to me. But when when I'm in those kind of situations and I can see the path forward, I'm not actually trusting God. So my hope isn't in God. My hope is in my ability to predict and control. And it was the same with the person on the phone. And that's why Psalm 23 came to mind because it's the darkest valley where you cannot see what the next step forward looks like. But the comfort isn't in the security of managing circumstances. The security comes when the psalmist says, but you are with me. That's where the hope comes from. That's where the comfort comes from. That no matter how dark it gets, he is with. Do you know he's with? Are you developing an awareness of the one who is with, who will not leave you as an orphan? People who have, you're still functionally an orphan if you're not in interactive relationship with a parent, right? Whether it's a, whether we have parents legally on paper or not is completely irrelevant. And I I find that so many Christians are theologically, we're, we're theologically adopted and experientially orphaned. That's the most tragic thing possible. Because Jesus said, I didn't want you in those circumstances. I I am giving myself to you for those very circumstances. That there would always be someone with you experientially in the moment, in the darkest valley. Are you developing the awareness of the one who is with one who is with you.
Jesus says twice, let's shift gears. Jesus says twice in this passage, those who love me will obey my commands. Verse 15 and verse 21. Verse 15 says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And verse 21 says, the one who loves me keeps my commands. The second one is the litmus test, right? Uh, Jesus says, I'll, I'll know those who love me by whether or not they respect and follow what I say. Do we trust God enough to obey? Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Does your life look like you love Jesus? Let's, in the darkest valley, if you can't see a way forward, Will you still obey? Will you still show him that love? There are some times where we don't obey because we don't actually think it will work out. One thing that comes to mind, just a simple example, There are some people who won't go to another person to be reconciled because they don't think it'll work out. But will you obey and trust God for the results? And in doing so, show Jesus love. Will you forgive people because Jesus just told you to forgive, regardless of whether or not that person has already come to repent and make it right with you? And maybe they never will. Will you trust God and show Jesus loving obedience because this is simply what he said to do? Will you trust God that repentance is actually the way forward and not I can just fix my own life? These are some of the ways that maybe we can think of loving obedience differently, maybe a little bit more broadly. We'll circle back to this in a minute, I think. Would you look at verse 21 with me, please? The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love that person and I will reveal myself to that person. Will you trust God for this now? Would you, would you close your eyes or simply focus on this verse, whatever is more helpful for you, 
and interact with the Lord about this verse. We're going to take some time to do that. Okay, I have a question for you. Was there revelation? Jesus said, I will reveal myself to that person who loves me. Anyone have anything they want to share? Will you honor me by saying, Um, yesterday when I was spending time with the Lord in my yard and there was something I was saying, what am, what's the burden I'm carrying? And it was your, your children. And I felt him say, then it was, what do you, what, a, what should I do with this then? And it was, you release this to me. So I released my children where I was, okay, if I release them to you, then God, what is it going to look like? Um, and it was really a beautiful picture of what that will look like because when you think of it God loves them way more he knows way more he understands way more so it was a beautiful image of what's going to happen with my adult children if I release them to me or to him and then so today just as it's if you love me you will obey me it was that okay God where where do you want me to obey and it's again what did I tell you yesterday and really don't just let it go really do that now and just obey that. And it will be beautiful when I obey it. And it will be beautiful for me as much as for my children. Thank you, Marcin. Very good. Someone else? Um, I just felt um, as I was praying that I need to take some time in the next while to go through, like I was, I prayed and I was like, okay, God, what are your commandments? Like, let's go back to the 10 commandments. And I need to take some time now in the next while to go through each of those and go, how am I doing these things? Because I think a lot of times we tend to think, well, my life's going pretty good, but I go, I'm sure in most of the 10 commandments, I could go, this is, this is where I am falling short and I need to repent of that. So hold me accountable, body, that I'm doing that. Thank you, Sarah. Well done. One more. So recently the Lord's been speaking to me about offense. And um, just had a wonderful time with him where he looked at me so lovingly. And I was like, where do I go? What do I do with this now? And he said... Stay in touch with me. Keep connecting with me. I'm going to walk you through this process of showing you everyone in your life you have not forgiven and everyone that you still hold offense against. And I've already been through this a few times with him, so it'll be interesting to see what he brings up. But um, it's going to be so good. And I mean, the goal, like Jesus, Jesus was unoffendable, right? When he had righteous anger towards the Pharisees, it was for a reason. So... I'm looking forward to this process with him, and um, it's going to be interesting to see what he brings up. And along with that, also just getting rid of any dishonor I've held towards anyone as well. Um, 
and it'll be beautiful and it'll be good. Thanks, Renee. Thanks, Renee. All three of you built up the body by sharing. Thank you. All three of you demonstrated the passage. Revelation comes from this combination of loving obedience and awareness of the helper. So if you are an orphan, if you are not an orphan, but you feel like one, could we work on that together? You're not meant to be theologically adopted and experientially orphaned. Revelation comes from awareness of the helper and loving obedience. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have not left us as orphans. No matter how dark the valley feels, no matter whether we can see a path forward or not, you are with us. Would you grow us in being with you in such a way that we could be at that place and find the comforter? Though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear nothing, no evil, for you are with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, good and loving Father, that you would not leave us as orphans, but will come to us. Would you make us people who readily, happily, worshipfully, lovingly obey that we might grow in greater awareness of the comforter, might grow in greater love for you, And that out of these things, your spirit of truth would speak and live truth in a world that needs it so badly. Make us whole once again, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What else can we do but come to this passage and say, I am loved and I am grateful. Make our lives a worthy response, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I just remembered now that often on communion Sundays, we have the Sunday night group come up and if anyone would like prayer for anything, you are welcome to come up. So if there are some who are able to stick around, I'm looking right at you, Noah. Have you noticed? 
yeah, if you're able to stick around and, and um, pray for others, if there's anyone who wants prayer, whether it's something that's come out of the service or it's something that's been weighing you down or, or just something on your mind at the moment, you're welcome to come forward and there will be people who would ha- be happy to pray for you. Uh, I do think the Lord was saying there's someone with a kneecap issue that would like prayer. You're welcome to come on up and pray too if that's you. But anyone's welcome. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace, my friends. Thanks for being here. Blessings on you. Thank you.